Hello. Welcome to our first episode of Writing and Other Ways of Dying. I am one of your co-hosts, Ana Hurtado. And I'm Bronte Wieland. We both have MFAs in creative writing. And yet, sometimes we think writing just fucking sucks. So we're going to talk about why. Yeah, so welcome. <laughs> so, um, uh, why are we doing this podcast? Why are we in it? <laughs> what's what's, why what's did it drag you into this? <laughs> is a better question. Ooh, so do you want me to start on this one? Yeah. Okay, okay. So why are we doing this podcast? Mm. Well, <laughs> the fact is that I have been graduated from our MFA program for like going on nine months now, which means that you've been graduated from our MFA program for going on like 21 months now. And I didn't go to, I didn't go to math major school for nothing. <laughs> math major school. All right. Okay. And neither of us have had satisfying creative output since that time. In yeah. terms of fiction. And, you know, whatever other genres we work in. Is that fair to say? That is very fair to say. And I think both of us are pretty adept procrastinators. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I think this podcast is one way that we can get our creative juices flowing, have a uh, consistent sort of discussion of craft and of the hurdles of writing and creating uh but also we can talk about what our creative outlets have been instead of writing and discover kind of where that where that creative initiative that we both have has been going instead of writing yeah i think that's great i think this is where we do a bit of um, confessing of where we are now. Yes. Um, postgraduate school. Um, and where our writing career ha- has led us thus far. Um, well, I guess we should say we're both from the <laughs> Iowa State MFA in Creative Writing and the Environment uh, program. Um, and and my final thesis project was a collection of short stories which have gone you know as a collection itself has not gone anywhere but as stories alone independent they have traveled places like um uh, some journals here and there what about you Bronte what did you write for your thesis my thesis was uh what I term a short novel it was around 50,000 words at the end, something like 160 pages. And I call it a short novel instead of a novel for a reason, because I think there's something magical and wonderful about a properly executed, very, very short novel. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can achieve that, it is something really special. And of course, because one, I'm a little bit lazy, but two, I'm a little bit self-sabotaging. I wanted to try not just a novel, but a hard-to-achieve form of the novel for my first long-form fiction attempt. I mean, you have two things in there. You have 50,000 words, which is not, which is hard. It's a hard number to get to. Um, and also, it has to be self-contained in those 50,000. Like, nothing else can can remain. So did you like think of um, Ways of Going Home by Alejandro Sambra? Because that's yes. a short book, right? 
Yeah, it's a very short book. And in fact, I think that one doesn't even hit 50,000. That might be more on like the 35 to 40,000 level, which a lot of markets may not even consider a novel. But when you read it, it feels, it has the impact of a 300 page book. Oh, yes, it does. And even though it's just like a one, like a one sit down reading. Yes, yeah. So, of course, I wanted to try and uh, achieve something like that. Um, I I wanted to add one more thing that's not my thesis, but that is uh, a legacy of of me trying to write my thesis. And part of the reason why uh, this podcast is important for me, which is that when I started the MFA program, I was having a hard time writing. I was just, I had so much going on that I was not finding or making any time to write, like ever. Right. For weeks at a time, I just wouldn't even open a Word document to write creatively. Uh, But at that time, what I was doing was submitting short stories everywhere, like left and right. Like I had, 20 submissions out at one time i was just going wild submitting my short stories uh-huh um so i i told myself that all of my creative effort was going into submitting and i was getting like a false sense of accomplishment from submitting right. kind of fruitlessly because i wasn't getting anything published at that time anyway mm-hmm. so i told myself i was going to stop submitting work until i had written something that you know satisfied me and i said okay i can submit this and then i would start submitting again uh, so uh, like you trapped yourself basically yeah i i did because what happened was the free time i opened up by not submitting of course, went to other things, and I wasn't writing any more than I had been before, but I also wasn't submitting. Uh, And I realized this, but by that time, I had already broken the habit of submitting really thoroughly and frequently. Mm -hmm. So I am still out of the habit of submitting. So like, I, I kind of got myself with a double whammy there. (laughs) here's the thing about submitting um (laughs) i started submitting when i was in college and i was like that's a pretty good thing i wrote for my class um but then i realized that if any of that work got published i would be heavily embarrassed (laughs) in the future so i sort of like didn't do anything until i got to uh to the mfa program and then i was like official or fine to do so in my eyes because I right was you're like, like a, a, a group professional I thought yeah I was in a program and that's like the thing to do and of course there's the peer pressure from our cohort being like I've published here I've published there and I'm like I've published nowhere um so I get it I get that that's a, the journey of submittal was really interesting um right now for me it's kind of a pain because it's just a reminder of I have like two things going on in Submittable and they're like fellowship applications. <laughs> they're not actually <laughs> writing. Um, so it's kind of like a bummer to look at that now instead of something inspiring. Right. So about, you know, like looking back and realizing that if you had published those stories in college, you would be like, mortified why did i do that (laughs) i definitely did the same thing i started submitting things earlier than i probably should have or i was submitting things that weren't ready to be submitted or be published Mm -hmm. but also i think that's kind of like the the perpetual conundrum of writers like you and me Right. Maybe it's maybe this is just one of my fears as a writer is that 
I will always look back at something I've written and go, oh, a different person wrote that. And I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like five years ago, Bronte. Uh Uh, Right. But when you're dynamic creatively and intellectually and stuff, I think that makes submitting just that much scarier is you're like, what about in 10 years if this does get published? Mm-hmm. Since we've been talking about how we have a billion trillion ideas bombarding us constantly, like neutrinos passing through our brains and not through our hands. Oh my god, it's perfect. <laughs> oh, what a metaphor. Wow. That's amazing. You cry right now. <laughs> this is why I do it for the one metaphor, the one simile. Yes. Well, since we've been talking about how many ideas we have, why don't we do a back and forth? You tell me one project or idea you have, just a quick pitch, and then I'll tell you one I have, and we can uh, do a couple of those. All right. How many many writing projects are we actively not writing? Um, I'm currently at, like, three. Okay. I'll tell you about one of them. Yes. Which is my um, my apocalypse here. Um, it's uh, it's my novel, my young adult novel, uh, which we recently talked about this, uh, that I am rewriting it. It's only a couple of chapters in, like four chapters in. Um, and I say like four because chapter four is like one sentence. <laughs> and tried to write this uh switching first first person with uh, two characters and i'm not doing i don't i don't dig it anymore and i am actually excited to get started on third person but i've been saying that for a week and i haven't haven't been doing that it was only like two weeks ago we talked about that it's it's okay (laughs) it takes time to get those wheels turning but that's how time flies bro like that's how it became five months of not writing I'll get to that soon. I'll do that in the weekend. Blah, blah, blah. Nava. All right. Yeah, no, that's how my last nine months have gone. I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to take the summer off from writing. And I was like, I think I might take the fall off from writing. Oof. <laughs> Here we are. Baby's word. <laughs> <laughs> So here's one of my projects. Uh-huh. And this is a movie Ooh. called Gran. And it's written in the creepy goosebumps font. And the ends are tombstones. All right. <gasps> oh my Just god. A, uh, but it's a story of a few kind of rascally kids who are playing around in the local small town graveyard one night, like hitting a baseball back and forth or something, roughhousing, parkouring over old gravestones. As they do. Right. And they end up breaking this old, like, mossed over, worn down gravestone while they're playing around. They can't really read anything on it. It's too old. It's a you know, it's just like deteriorated. It's so old. Um, and they kind of like prop it back up, whatever, go about the rest of their night. And over the next few days, become haunted by the spirit of the person whose gravestone they broke. And it's it's creepy at first. Um but of, and that when they realize they are haunted, they're scared, they meet up, they plan about it, they figure out what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, but then eventually they realize that none of these hauntings are particularly malicious or dangerous. And it turns out that they're haunted by a little old lady they come to call Gran 
who is just excited to be in the world again and this time able to do whatever the fuck she wants because she's a ghost and she doesn't have to uh like take care of her family and her asshole husband and <laughs> she's no longer in the late 1700s and she can live the life she wants to oh shit the life she wants to granny came back yeah so and she has in all of her life wanted to be a troublemaker so she she was always kind of mischievous but she decided she wanted to be the good daughter the good wife the good mother and now that she kind of has a second chance she's going to let her personality fly and so with some uh uproarious teens she goes out and starts making trouble mm, love it and yeah, so they, they have their fun until they kind of undercover a plot by the uh, local big corporation that is kind of making life hell for all the kids' parents and mm -hmm. is maybe making life hell for Grand's descendants and is just generally bad. And so they set out to try and make their community a better place mm -hmm. a bunch of teens and a ghost of an old lady right taking down a huge corporation it sounds like basically yeah well that wouldn't be you know bronte if it, it wasn't like taken down <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't trying to undermine some like exploitative profiting something Mm -hmm. Would I have even written it? Right. Same with my work. If you're not critiquing colonialism, what the fuck you doing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, here's mine. So my my tia Nancy just came to visit from Venezuela and this woman is filled with stories and stories and stories of just Venezuela's magical realism. I want to write her biography. Of course, fictionalized. Um, yes. And it would be an honor for me because she, Bronte, she was a nurse. She's seen everything um, from ghosts to just like natural disasters uh, called upon by family members. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. The whole, the whole thing. And um, it would be amazing. And I just, I want her to do this, like to honor her, of course. But can I get over myself to do that? <laughs> Is it possible? Um, that's that's something I really want to do. I really hope I can do it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. But you know, every project you have ever pitched to me, I've said, I want that on my desk tomorrow so I can read it and put it on my bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> same, man, same. <laughs> All right, so my uh, project number two mm -hmm. that I'm actively not writing, even though Chloe told me I have to have it to her by the end of the month. So we'll see. Uh, Chloe is uh, our friend who fucking produces like a maniac, and she's beautiful, and she bakes, and she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she is unmatchable. I could write every second of the day and not be putting out as much as she does oh. we need to have chloe on the show because like girl how do you do it that's yeah that's a that's a great idea yeah, yeah. Too. <laughs> we should really get chloe but make it work with chloe <laughs> <laughs> all right so my my idea and this is one of the reasons I haven't started writing it is that it's not super developed yet. So the pitch will not be as thorough as Grand's was. Okay. But it's also a movie. Mm-hmm. And here's another reason I don't want to write it. It's because in my head it has a very specific cast. And I have no movie credentials. So there's no way it will ever get this cast. What's the cast, uh, man? 
It's starring Steven Yoon. Okay. And it's a, like, future-ish fantasy western, Mm -hmm. 7th Southwest, where Steven Yoon is, uh, you know, like, essentially a cowboy accompanied by his gunslinging partner, Janelle Monae. Oh, of course. She has to come through, through, Janelle. Yes. She is... She is sassy, she is quippy, and she is a fast shot. Mm-hmm. And she's styling. Mm, no, well, yeah, of course, with her oh, eyebrows. Oh my god, those eyebrows. And Steven Yoon, of course, is cute and charming and wears a long coat and has a shotgun. And Adorable. I imagine he's also really good at cards. <laughs> like, fast. Yeah. He yes. shuffles quick and does he have cards under his sleeve mechanically? Well, he's probably maybe like a little bit of a wizard or something. So he has okay. cards under his sleeves mechanically, but he also makes like illusion cards to shuffle. So you're not sure if he's shuffling the real cards or not, if he's card sharking you or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have much of a story yet for it except that it is decolonial as fuck and that it is going to be triumphant and it is going to be fun and it's going to be about good things happening and about them making a world that is amazing to live in in their little to see Wester. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wow. All right. You need to pitch that to somebody because uh, that needs to get made. Well, the 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 idea is that Chloe wants me to submit it to um, Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw. They're doing that like open call right now. Yeah, they are. For scripts and. So yeah, not that it would ever get picked up by Jordan Peele, but um, hello. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> uh, oh, I really, I really hate that I live in Nicaragua for the reason that um, his new movie um, Us is not gonna get here. It's just not. No. Yeah, it's just not gonna get here. I've checked all this, like the cinema is in upcoming features, displays, and nothing. Just some. Fucking bullshit action movie stories. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a great chance to take a trip to Wisconsin. Well, yeah, that's I I need need to buy my ticket for me. I need to do that soon before it um, rises up. Here's my what third idea? Yes. Okay. Um. So I'm really interested. (laughs) I'm teaching this. I'm like in the next month or so. I'm going to teach this like. Uh, unit in my short story class about uh, apocalypse writing um, and I want to know like what is he like <laughs> what will doom Quito the capital of Ecuador where I live um, oh. into its like apocalypse <laughs> thinking about this lot I don't think it's a fucking disease um, I don't think it's a natural disaster or a social disaster caused by you know industrial mining I think it's something fucking weird having to do with uh, some outer space folks. And (laughs) it's been making me laugh as I wash the dishes. (laughs) 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 But there's nothing there yet. It's just like, you know, what would some fucking aliens want with us? I don't know. I don't know. It also sounds kind of lame because like alien movies are lame. But hey, Men in Black 2 or like the reboot is coming out. Yeah. Um, and it has Tifa, Tisa Thompson. Thompson. I'm not saying it right. Tessa uh, Thompson. Puta, Tisa. I was at, sorry. <laughs> Tessa Thompson. <laughs> On it. I'm very excited to see it. Uh, but yeah. I've always fucking loved Men in Black. And, um, and how just like aliens casually are about in our town. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe something with that. It doesn't have to be like the creepy alien or anything. It just could be us in another alter universe being like, so what the fuck you've been doing? Kind of like Rick and Morty style. Right. 
Like, I it's such as this universe. <laughs> it's sort of like that Joss book that I had you read. Oh, yeah! Yes, that's... Oh my god, that's it! That's my source of inspiration! A giant... What was it? Super extra grande. Super extra grande, and it was, like, liquid... <laughs> warm, uh, the size of an ocean. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I need to reread that. Oh, the big amoebas. Those things were amazing. Aha, aha. Something like yeah. that, yeah. But I'm oh, a, I'm imagining it like ballsy and written by you and about these like weird, bold aliens that are just kind of there and the characters deal with them. But not right. kind of like maybe really sexist and machismo like Jos was. Claro. Well, he's that was Cuban work, right? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> machismo, machista culture really dominates over there, and it was not an exception with the uh, Fidel's revolution either, as we learned in our history class that we attended together. Yes, most um, of the days you showed up. What? Nothing. <laughs> I showed up to the. Are you saying that I didn't have a? I didn't show up to class. No, no. I, you would never not show up to Bonar's class. That would be an insult. The only time that I missed was when he was talking about Chile, and I was already bombarded with Chile information from my anthropology class, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go sleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you haven't told me about this book before, so that's real exciting. Well, I don't think it's a. I don't know if it's a book, bro. I just, oh, oh. I don't know. Okay. Okay. No, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's really cool, and somebody should write it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this also reminds me of that picture I sent you a couple of years ago, of uh, like what would the night sky look like if Earth had rings like Saturn. Delay, right? Do you remember that? Yeah, and Quito, because it's in the equator, had um, the rings. Yes. Yeah, it was like, it was just a thin sliver in the atmosphere, but it was so cool. Right. Oh, my God. That's on my inspiration board right now. (laughs) 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 There was this um, student in in our MFA program who graduated before you got there. Her name was Steph. She was really nice. Um, and she, one time she was talking on the hallway and I heard her over saying that when she gets tired of working on her thesis, she turns to her other projects and she like multi-tasks and works on multiple things at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to tell Steph, girl, how, how is, how? How That was kind of my, uh, my like thought process for doing a novel in the program Uh I told myself well one if I didn't force myself to write a novel as my thesis I knew I was not going to write a novel in my free time Um, you're so smart but I was like (laughs) but if I'm writing a novel and I need to take a break from it I'll definitely write short stories uh, which was not true it didn't work it didn't work steph has much more magic than i do apparently mm. but i think like you and molly and renee your girlfriend in the program is currently are currently like did was brilliant because we always had a professor over there in iowa iowa state not iowa workshop um being like you shouldn't write a novel for your thesis because it's not going to be a good novel and you're not going to finish it and it's not going to be any good. And he drilled that idea in my head all my first year and most of my second year. Um, that's why I finished up with a collection of short stories with beautiful stories that I really love. I think they represent my hometown really well. Um, but I would fucking love to have a novel in my hands right now or, they, or, or like the knowledge that I can actually write a novel like, you know, mm-hmm. you did it. You can do it again, Bronte. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's possible, man. Even um, if the first one is no good, I've done it before now. <laughs> yeah, you've done it before. It doesn't seem like you're trying to fucking kill a whale out there. Like, you <laughs> murdered one before. 
This is your first <laughs> whale hunt, and you're doing it alone. Yeah, I'm. The seas are rising. I'm fucking getting pneumonia out here, man. I don't know. <laughs> I thought throughout all my writing career, and I use air quotes in this, but you can't see me because you're in Wisconsin. I've thought of stories in such a like a short frame. How do I fit this in like my usual 30 pages, which has right. now come down to like 20 and like 15. Um, well, that's progress. Oh, I see. <laughs> I will never forget the day you said that a short story should not be more than 12 pages. And that's the first time I doubted whether or not we should be friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, fair, but also I stand by that. Mm, uh, And how's your bone story doing? All right. So let me tell you about project (laughs) I'm actively not working on number three. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me, please. Uh, the Bones story. I don't have <laughs> a better title for it. story. Anna stands this story so hard, for which mm-hmm. I will never be able to repay her, but also never forgive her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is a story I started writing my second semester in grad school in the fiction workshop that we took together, mm-hmm. and. As Anna has said, I have a very deeply held philosophy that short stories should be short. And (laughs) if you can keep them 10 to 15 pages, that's ideal. If they get to 20 pages, you're really starting to lose me. And beyond 20 pages, why bother? Um, And... (laughs) I mean, that's just how I like to write, but... I I wrote the first couple pages of the story and I showed it to the aforementioned Chloe mm-hmm. and she read it and said, this is great, but you realize this is a 50 page story, right? And I was like, you're funny uh, <laughs> and kept writing and kept writing and kept writing and uh-huh. the story would not end. And it quickly became, like, a piece I was sort of obsessed with, but also the most ambitious I had ever really been in terms of experimenting with the form of a short story and experimenting with, uh, like, language and tense and Mm -hmm. personality. And then it was 50 pages long. And... Then I had to start writing my thesis and said, you know what? I'm going to write a novel for my thesis and I'll finish writing the bone story in my downtime when I just can't possibly write any more thesis. Right. Three years and I haven't really written anything else on that story. Oof. That story is fucking magic. But it still haunts me. I still think about it Mm. every couple of days. And so you do that thing where you, like, reread it? I have reread this story so many times. It's a 50-page story that I have read over and over and over endlessly. And I, I wrote, like, kind of like the one of the climactic moments, getting really close to the end. I swear, I have no more than like 2,000 words left on this story. 2,000 words Uh that length the proper short story should be. That's all (laughs) I have to write of this thing. And it's at Uh 18,000 words already. Oof. So 10% of the story is all I have left to write. And Uh I know more or less like what happens. And I, I wrote this culminating bit way back when and it didn't feel quite right so i set the story aside for a couple days and then i said uh, eventually i had like a breakthrough i knew exactly what i needed to change about that scene to make the whole story work and to be able to finish it Mm -hmm. this summer i did go back reread the story a couple of times and changed that scene finally because i have kept 
that moment in mind that whole time. Wow. Um, but like the story feels so much more distant now than it did, you know, when I started writing it, obviously. And it's, it's like I said, it's one of the most ambitious things I've ever done. So right. I have to be within the story. I have to be totally inside the story to be writing it or it feels completely false. It's that distance that once you lose it, how yeah. do you go back? Yeah, exactly. But I'm also 50 pages into a story that I can't stop thinking about. <laughs> so my, like, my question is, can I, can I ever finish this story? But also, can I ever not finish this story? Man. Um, so I have spent the last couple of months knowing that that should be the first thing I write after finishing the program mm. and I can't bring myself to do it because I love the rest of the story so much. <laughs> I don't want to destroy it now. Oh man. Oh, I totally feel you, man. <laughs> 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 um, I did this experiment when I went back and tried to fix something that I wrote for our workshop um, that year about like a bull's ear. <laughs> um, and I, there was no ending. Like everybody in the workshop was like, Anna, girl, where's your ending? And I was like, oh shit. Um, so what, two years later, three years later, I wrote an ending for that story. That feels like, you know, when you... <laughs> copy paste something from a web page to a Microsoft Word document and the format just like <laughs> the format just like falls apart and you're like wait what no that's what it feels like that is the perfect that is the perfect comparison right? you look, you're looking at something and it's and it's beautiful and it's perfectly formed and you're like yes I just have to move it now. <laughs> it turns into a garbled mess. And you know that you have to go through line by line, oh, character yeah. by character, and make oh, sure everything's right again. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it, do it doesn't work. I mean, I love the story. I think the ending is interesting. It's not the right ending. It's not. It's an ending I should have written way back when three years ago <laughs> yeah i think that story just will never get an ending and i makes me really sad because i love my little flamenco dancer character um she deserves a fucking good ending to her traumatic encounter with a bull's ear <laughs> i will get an ending if she it will get one when i figure out how to how to do this writing thing <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other projects? <laughs> uh, well, that's sort of connected to the bull ear story. Um, what I'm trying to do is go back to my stories that I love and seeing if I can do something there. But it, so far, it's been uh, a no-go there. Um, maybe it's just like material that should not be touched anymore. Even though I love the stories and I want to tell them to others, um, those are not worthy of going back to like I'm ruining them so um I should write new stuff yeah I had a, one of my, my my advisor for my thesis said that my stories were novels and that he really used to kind of piss me off when he said that I was like can you just fucking focus on the story I wrote and give me some feedback <laughs> which is <laughs> like kind of criticism for that particular advisor <laughs> hey f focus okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here. Okay, good. Read this. <laughs> he he was he had an eye for things that I really appreciated and mm. he pushed me to write my favorite story, which is my condor story. Um and I feel like that really represents who I am as a creator. Um mm. but or as one of our friends would say, as an artist. <laughs> <laughs> 
This podcast is pure shade, girl. A hundred percent shade. A hundred percent. Wow. Um, let, me, let me just add one thing in right now. Yeah. About pure shade. Uh-huh. And I'm sure this will come up again later in the podcast. Uh, but the same friend who would call us artists once helped me determine that I do things especially creatively, I do things for two reasons. For spite and the aesthetic. And this podcast is (laughs) (laughs) You have proven him right. It's been, when did I graduate? 2017? Yes. It's been a couple years. Um, And now that I think about it, Fuck yeah, my stories are novels. <laughs> my stories are contained universes that I've somewhat tried to put into 30 pages. And I want to expand that bitch and make it a whole 90,000 word thing. Yes. But I feel like I have it in there, but I don't know how to. And it pisses me off because I went to writing school. <laughs> <laughs> Where are my tools? And well, the other the other hurdle is that you have all of these universes inside you, but do you? That this is not this is not a slight. <laughs> this is a uh-huh. question I ask myself too. But do you have enough words inside you to visit all of those places in novel length? And like one of the things I think is beautiful about your collection is that you get to visit these you know 15 20 30 universes and they are self-contained but you know there's also like at least for me when i'm doing speculative stuff there's that looming like how many worlds can i possibly do justice in novel length right That's the question of the day. How many words do you have in me? Um, I wonder what, like, the story goes that uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez wrote Cien Años de Soledad. Uh, he turned back from going on a road trip or something. Mm-hmm. And then he went to his, like, um, ¿Cómo se llama? Writing machine. Typewriter. Uh huh, that. And he wrote it in a, like, a whole weekend. Yeah, I, I think the uh, line goes that he said he could recite the first chapter verbatim by the time they had gotten back to Mexico City. Right. Um, he had the words, man. He did. But those were yeah. words that like, he didn't conjure. Those were words that forced him mm. to, to like... They those words force themselves themselves into existence based on you know his story. Well, it certainly feels that way. It certainly feels that he's uh, what's that word? He's just uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on words right now. Conduit. Ah, thanks, man. This is why it's a two host podcast. <laughs> conduit. <laughs> a conduit. Um, it reads that way too. It does. Uh huh. And Those I think you wanted to show themselves. Some didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both know that at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is be conduits like that. Right. And I feel like by not writing, we're, you know, disrespecting our, our words that are somewhere in there, are they? Our, our messengers who are bombarding us constantly with news that we refuse to relay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's good and depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have any more projects? Um... 
Yeah, I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've told you about two movies already, so I won't tell you about the third movie. Right. Um, Save it for the next one. Yeah, this this project is just a short story. Well, okay, so I'll call the project writing a short story. <laughs> because I really, really, really have not written a short story since 2016. And I used to write short stories all the time constantly and when did you when did you start writing um well i plagiarized my first pokemon book when i was like five or six (laughs) that was the the book was called go west young ash and i uh i opened it up and opened up a notebook and wrote at the top of the notebook, go east, young clash. And uh, started started writing basically a Mad Lib version of, <laughs> of that Pokemon book. But uh, I don't know. I, I wrote short stories, like a couple of them in middle school and then a couple in high school and like a few throughout college. But it was after I graduated college that I really started sitting down and writing short stories with intent and writing, you know, like one or two a month. Wow. Uh, and so I 2016. Have, yeah, so 2016 rolled around and I started writing my thesis and stopped writing short stories. Um, and so one of my goals the last few months has been I just wanted to write a short story, nothing that would really push my limits, nothing that, you know, was going to be too intense or, uh, you know, nothing where I had to create a whole world and, you know, make an entirely new system of magic that is unlike anything I've ever read before. I wanted to just write a short story. Uh-huh. And... Um, I also have really been wanting to write solar punk ever since uh, our friend Phoebe and I edited our anthology of uh, solar punk stories called Sunbolt. Yeah. Uh, I've just felt like, you know, I put together like 30 different pieces of art, poetry, and fiction that have been put under the label solar punk, I feel like I should and could write some. Mm. So I've been really wanting to just write a solar punk short story. And uh, the other day, maybe like three or four weeks ago, I was just sitting around like fiddling and doing some reading and checking my phone. And I had, you know, that that voice that popped into my head with a <laughs> sentence. And mm-hmm. it was it it was a moment where I'm, I I heard this sentence and I knew there was a whole story there. So I sat down and I I wrote out this sentence. I wrote a little bit more. I ended up getting like a good couple hundred words in and I looked back at or no, 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 what, what happened was, so I was writing a little bit of background and a little bit of lore. And the, the story started with once when there was earth. And I'm like, and this is a story that's going to be set on a planet entirely covered with water, but inhabited by humans. And so I was writing a little bit of like, their folklore of how they came to be in an entirely wet place if it was that all the earth receded away or if it was that they originally came from a different planet or whatever um but uh, so i was writing and i got to this point i'm like what word should i use here 
Like, I don't know if it's an entire, if there's no continents, it's all water. Like, how would they refer to like the planet? Would they have a different word for planet, like with different etymological roots? Would they like still call it the globe? What, you know, like what would be like, how would language have evolved differently? And then I fell down this massive rabbit hole. And like an hour later, it's like, shit, I can't write this story under the constraints of, you know, not reinventing the wheel of not doing anything too intensive. Right. Because I literally had to build this whole world from the ground up. And that was running counter to everything I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, so you, I still. You played I, yourself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I really, really did myself dirty. I feel betrayed by my own brain. But so my my project is still to write a short story, hopefully to write a solar punk short story. I have that one saved away, but I just feel like it won't be productive right now for me to expend all that energy to create this world just for a short story. I mean, when do you when do you know you have to give in to your research and to your ultimate, you know, like world building? And when do you know you just have to sort of like sit down and write some, you know, flows out of you? When do you know what's the right choice? That's a really important question. Um, I think that I think that it depends on how far into the story I am. And I'm really a right from the gut kind of storyteller. And so if something's not flowing out of me for the first couple of pages, I know it's not right. Mm. And once I get a couple of pages in, it, if I need to do some research, if I need to really like go looking around for answers and for details, then I let myself do that. But, you know, if it's not, if it's not coming right away, that is a sign to me that I need to stop and that I need to rewrite whatever I've written. And then you have the other side of the coin, which is through that extensive research, that's when, for me, sometimes the stories bloom. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I mean, to, to counter exactly what I just said, I, one of the times when I ignored that feeling of skip the research, just get on with it, was mm-hmm. one of the like most important sort of discoveries of my uh, air quotes writing career. <laughs> and that's when I was writing the short story that eventually became my thesis. I, I had just like the bare bones of an idea. I wanted there to be magical memory tattoos and I knew that it was going to be set in, like, a nursing home or a hospice house or something. And mm-hmm. I was like, this definitely has to be named after some, like, religious figure because all of them are. And so I wrote, like, three quarters of a sentence before I got to the name of the hospice. And I'm like, okay, let's read through the list of saints. And I was like, really, Bronte, come on, just pick um, just fill it in with like a bunch of numbers and go back to it later i was like no i'm I'm interested in reading all these saint names right now Mm -hmm. and i ended up stumbling across saint vitus um who is the patron saint of dancers um and a number of other things but that moment when i read patron saint of dancers the entire story unfolded before me whoa and i mean you you have read that short story so you know like yeah central Mm -hmm. but i absolutely i absolutely would have done that if i hadn't ignored my instinct to just get on with it holy shit oh my god oh my god (laughs) I mean, what about you? Are you, are you like me in that you write 
from feelings and from impulses or you know when do you know that you need to either research or skip the research for now well um so my (laughs) what's detrimental to my writing career (laughs) is that I am just so focused on exploring where I live and where I come from um where I live in Quito and where I come from Venezuela that anything else that I write just feels like a waste of time to me Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't make me happy so interesting um like my entire thesis I wrote down things that I've heard growing up not just legends and like myths but um, expressions and weird encounters and magical things that happened to me while I was in high school here um and from those that's where my stories grew so they're based on my reality um and then the extensive research comes from, all right, so I need to learn a little bit more about the Hacienda system here. And I need to learn about the encomiendas. And I need to learn about when the fuck did the first ship land over here in Isla Puna um, on the Pacific coast. So my research was um, inspired by the stories that I already know I had in me that I had to tell others. And they're they're sort of driven very much by critical work like I want this to be a critique of something but I also want it to be an exploration of me right so it's like a dual a dual um goal that I have here um but for example this last time that I wrote just like a 3,000 word story that just you know popped out of me um was because my aunt said something while she was washing the dishes which is was something like well you know your your my your great grandma used to pray to the dead and I was like Wait a second. <laughs> she did what? Wait a second here. I'll be right back. I took my phone. I opened up a voice memo and I was like, um, grandma that prays to the dead. Um, and I just like started saying all the things that sort of like came out of me. And later I heard that voice and I just, I have a voice memo and I just wrote it. Mm. Um, but it was, yeah, inspired by family history and by, well, I heard it from my aunt. So I never, that's why it's kind of hard for me to conceive my, what I really want to dive into is like speculative work. Like I would fucking die to write a solar punk story. I just don't know how to fucking do it. Mm. Um, it just seems well, like. Me neither, apparently. <laughs> seems like inconceivable to me, but at the same time, I love reading sci-fi work and I love reading speculative work and that's not really, doesn't have to be rooted in the magical realism of um, a post-colonial nation. So uh, I guess my genre has trapped me, is what I'm trying to say. Huh. I guess. Well, I, well, you one day you said, I'm not just write a sci-fi story about Quito. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm about to tell you basically that again. Uh-huh. Because... I mean, post-colonial magical realist realities and speculative fiction, I don't see as being or, you know, existing in uh, in totally separate realms. So, I mean, yeah, they but, don't but, have- like I think that I think that you can write what would otherwise be you know straightforward science fiction and mm-hmm. basically transplant it into the postcolonial magical realist on a cosmovision to use your favorite word <laughs> um, and I think that that's like not only possible but crucial for not necessarily for you but for science fiction like Mm -hmm. the the thing i would love most in the world is to see these two worlds married together in a story that you have written (laughs) yes same here (laughs) (laughs) same here man 
Um, they don't, they don't have to be separate things at all. Um, and I've actually tried my hand at thinking of sci-fi and um, colonialism structures with a poem that I wrote for, and that was published on, in Uncanny Magazine. Um, mm. But I couldn't go beyond my tiny little verse. I couldn't go <laughs> beyond my stanza. I just, it just, it stayed as a poem. Well, what if you did this? What if you imagined the same conversation you just had with your aunt? Your aunt who has seen everything, seen the worst of it, seen the best of it, seen the weirdest of it, seen the most supernatural of it. And she is telling you these same things she has just told you, but it's 3,000 years in the future in Quito. Hot damn! (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love that! I like I mean that's that's one of the things I love about science fiction is like the mundane but reflected through kind of our conceptualization of a future. And it's a great um for our favorite word conduit. Um yes. For further examination of the remnants of colonialism. Like it's 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 everything. It's that's why it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, like what will the legacy of colonialism be different how will it be different in that future mm-hmm. and like how you know based on based on today how will it be different or based on the 1980s how will it be different or you know uh-huh. based on the 1800s how will that how like how would you conceptualize that legacy being different in the future Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so basically, you're telling me that I have to Octavia Butler myself. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sounds yeah. sounds great. <laughs> I shall. No, that's something that I think it's my next. That sounds corny. Breakthrough is <laughs> <laughs> is getting deep into that because I fucking I love that. I just I love that so much. I think that's what I want to do really. Um, so I thought it was a classic, you know, magic realism. And that's what we call literary fiction down here, our magic <laughs> realism. So when we, got, when we got to Iowa and our professor was like, so there's literary fiction and then there's genre. And I was like, wait, what? I don't get it. Like our fiction is fucking creepy. That's what it is. Um, so yeah, I thought I would never stray from that. But man, my stories keep getting weirder and weirder and time is very important the past to jumps in the future to jumps in the no time um and i think that sci-fi will help me get to like the fruit of it all the real meaning of why i'm writing like how i'm writing Mm. but it's it's something i'm going um (laughs) (laughs) and it's something i gotta do for myself i think too um so let's just get over this writing slump or whatever the fuck this is that has uh consumed us entirely when look how fucking passionate we are about writing that we started a podcast about it. Oh yeah, and if if listeners knew what was going on behind the scenes as we tried to record it, they would e- understand our even pa- our passion at even greater levels. <laughs> yeah, uh, they would be literally like, "Why don't you take the energy and fucking sit down?" Well, how about <laughs> how about this for for next time? Uh huh. I, Anna, challenge you to write a, uh, like, write a family history from the future. Ooh, okay. Or, or imagine, you know, what from, what from today will be essentialized into a folk tale of the future. Right. Okay. I can I can I can play with that. Let's do that. That doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like like well that doesn't seem like uh an impossible thing is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um and you better give me the bones of a solar punk story, friend. Oh okay, I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) Um and maybe let's try to do one of our projects. 
uh, a, a long term goal. <laughs> that's very long term, yeah. I want to finish my novel before I go see you in Wisconsin. That's what I'm trying to do. Yes, yes, I want that so much. Well, it's for me, not for you, okay? <laughs> I want that for you. That's what I'm <laughs> Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, so shall we wrap it up? Uh, before we do, let me, let me ask one yeah. more thing. Mm-hmm. Since we've talked a bit about, uh, writing anxieties. Oh, no, you know, actually, let's save this for next time. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause, um, I feel like we have a whole world to say about this. Yeah. And... We've got a good two episodes <laughs> already. <laughs> we got a whole fucking anthology on this shit. Um, Right, and I would love to hear from if anyone is actually listening to this. Do you feel it too, man? (laughs) (laughs) Are you out there suffering too? Call us now and uh, tell us. (laughs) How do you feel, man? Um, Because we dying. Yeah, we're dying. Let us know how you're dying too. Yeah, let's die together. (laughs) Let's do this. Or not. No, let's do it. Let's do it? Okay. Yeah, because yeah. writing, writing is dying. I think we found the title of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Next episode, we want to answer some questions from our beloved new listeners. Send us an email for a topic or a question or a writing confession. You can find us at Writing dying at protonmail.com. W R I T I N G D Y I N G at protonmail.com.